Thanks for listening to the Inner Life Podcast. Be sure to join us every weekday at 11 a.m. Central on Relevant Radio or on the Relevant Radio app. Find your local Relevant Radio station at RelevantRadio.com or stream us live every day on the Relevant Radio app. It's time to set out on the pathway to healing and light. This is The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. If you have questions or concerns about your faith journey, if you are struggling or searching for something more, if you are in need of some spiritual direction, our Catholic priests are here to help. One heart at a time. Welcome to The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. Welcome to The Inner Life here on this Monday. I'm Josh Raymond, so glad to have you here with us during this hour that we devote to spiritual direction on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Right before we started the program, did you hear Father Rocky's Lenten lesson on the Mass as he was talking about the crucifix? And if you heard that one, have you had a chance to see his video presentation, the the, the video version that he recorded for today? Um, he also talks about the crucifix. But in today's video, he recommends also carrying a small crucifix in your pocket. Any idea why? Well, <laughs> if you want to know, I'm not going to spoil it. Uh, you can go watch the video for yourself and you can find it uh, as one of our top stories at relevantradio.com on our website there or on the Relevant Radio app. Uh, but you can also have those daily videos from Father Rocky, these Lenten lessons on the Mass. You can have them sent to you each morning in your email. All you have to do is just sign up there. Uh, you'll see the banner at our website, Lenten Lessons on the Mass. It's absolutely free, and it's not too late to sign up. You can still register. You can still get those emails sent to you every single day throughout Lent. Again, you can click on the banner at our website, relevantradio.com, or on the Relevant Radio app, and you'll start receiving those video lessons free every single day throughout Lent. Now, as we begin our program today, what's the longest that you've ever owned a vehicle? And I mean one that actually kept running for you the whole time you owned it, not something that just sat on maybe some cinder blocks or sat unused for a year or two or however long, you know, in your driveway or in a garage or out in the yard, whatever it might be. Or maybe you still own that car, uh, that vehicle, whatever it is um, that you've still been going. It's the longest one for you. That's the case for me. I actually still own. It's a 2000 Nissan Frontier, small pickup truck. And I bought it used in 2003. And so I'm coming up almost at 20 years for owning that same vehicle. It's been a great little pickup. Uh, it has a stick shift. It's fun to drive. Our older kids, all the ones who have learned to drive so far, they've been able to at least attempt trying to drive a stick shift. Some of them did better than others. But when I bought it, the first owned that little pickup. This was also around the time where I started going through RCIA. My sponsor coming into the Catholic Church, a friend of mine named Mike. Mike was a fantastic sponsor. He has a beautiful family. He and his wife, Amy, they have seven children, and they actually just celebrated the birth of their very first grandchild a couple months ago. But going back to 2003, uh, for several months, Mike had attended all of those weekly RCIA classes with me. And most of the time we met there at the parish. We'd just drive individually, meet up there. But one night, Mike's car was in the shop. So I picked him up and I gave him a ride to the church. And I had only owned that Nissan Frontier for a few months at that point. 
And Mike was really taken with it. He said his car, the one that was in the shop that night, he said it was nearing the end of its life for him and he needed something new. So as he was there in the pickup, he said, boy, I hadn't thought about how practical this might be, you know, hauling things, yard work, uh, you know, all those things that are great about owning a truck. And then while we were driving for that evening's RCIA class, we were driving to the parish, I had a CD that was playing in the background. It was the album Abbey Road by the Beatles. And Mike, as we were driving, he remarked, oh, it's been so many years since I've actually listened to this album. He was thoroughly enjoying that trip down memory lane as he listened to Maxwell's Silver Hammer and Octopus's Garden and all those different songs that are on that album. Well, a couple of months later, Mike did indeed trade in his old car and he bought a smaller pickup, a little uh, red Ford Ranger. And he had a CD player installed and he had purchased two Beatles albums. Abbey Road was one of those. I think Revolver might have been the second one, but I know he picked up two albums. Now, Mike had bought those two CDs only about a week prior to Ash Wednesday that winter. And within that first week of Lent, for whatever reason, and I don't remember why I needed a ride, but I did. I needed a ride to the RCIAA class that week. And so when Mike arrived at my house, I got in his new pickup, but he didn't have any music playing. The two CD cases, those two by the Beatles, those two albums, they were there sitting in his pickup, but the speakers were silent. And so I kind of joked. I said, boy, you know, you... You just got those. Are you tired of listening to the Beatles already? And he just smiled and he explained, well, for Lent this year, he decided that he would give up listening to anything while driving around. And this really floored me. I was astounded because Mike had really been looking forward to listening to the Abbey Road album for months ever since he initially rode with me. He'd been looking forward to that. And then once he finally gets it, Within only a few days of owning that, having a chance to listen to it, he gives it up and he drives everywhere in silence using that time for prayer instead. That was such a profound lesson from Mike, for me, on not being overly attached to the things here in this life. Even good things, good things like music. Mike's example, it made a big impression on me. If he could let go of something like this, it started making me think about what might I be attached to and not even realize it. And this is what we want to discuss today on The Inner Life, recognizing those attachments that we have in our lives and how we can let go of them so that our main attachment is on the one thing that really matters, that we're attached to Christ, our relationship to our Savior. And our spiritual director helping us look at this idea of attachment and detachment, detaching from those things that we shouldn't have those attachments to. Father Joseph Ilo is back with us once again. Father Ilo is a priest in the Archdiocese of San Francisco. He's the pastor at Star of the Sea Parish there in San Francisco. Father Ilo, welcome back to The Inner Life. Glad to be able to talk with you here on this first Monday in the season of Lent. Thank you, Josh. We are indeed squarely in the season of Lent, and what a good time to talk about detachment. Well, and, and so, uh, you know, we've talked about this before on the show. I like to define terms. So I think that's really probably the best place to start off is having a better understanding of what detachment is and maybe what it isn't, too. But, you know, how, how are we 
Um, what are we looking at in our lives when we talk about practicing detachment? Well, detachment is a word that means to unattach, obviously. So it assumes that we are attached to certain things. But I would say detachment, the, the one word that describes it most to me is freedom. To detach is to be free, to break the bonds that attach us or even enslave us. I think we we gain freedom most dramatically by detaching from vices like porn or simple impatience or anger, but also detaching from the disordered use of good things like you mentioned Abbey Road. But detachment from good things at times is a is a good thing like de- detaching from from food for a greater good. I knew a woman that gave up Diet Coke until her daughter got her marriage blessed by the church. And then pretty soon she found out that it wasn't hard to give up Diet Coke anymore, so she had to detach from something else. But that that was for a greater good. It's important to know that detachment is a means, never an end in itself. The end of detaching is always to restore and strengthen our love for God, who first loves us. And you said earlier, our main attachment should be for God. Well, in one sense, really, our only attachment should be for God because sure, certainly yeah. we can have affections and use the good things that he has given us, but never to be dependent on them. I mean, attached in the sense of depending on them for happiness because the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. So we should be ready. In his wisdom, he may decide to take away even a good thing we have, even a loved one, a relationship, not not just material goods, but we can also be attached to human people, which is good to to love people, to care for people, but it's not hard to make an idol of a person, to depend on that person to make us happy. One alone can make us happy. And so that's how I would define detachment. Another question is, well, why are we attached? Why, why do we have this impulse to kind of idolize things or depend on them? I think it's because God is a hidden God, as he describes himself in the scriptures. And we can't see him. We Often we can't feel his presence. And so we turn to those things, the quick fixes in life that we can. Uh, we can feel, we can see, we can touch, and we can control God is not a tame lion. You can't control him. So it's much easier to depend on something we think we can control, like a substance or even a human relationship, rather than the uh, unknown and all-powerful God. Well, one of the things that, as you're talking about this, you know, this idea of we try and look for things that we can control. You used a phrase that really stood out to me here, that we can even have a disordered use of good things. And that means that, well, it it presupposes that there is an ordered use of good things. And as physical beings, we all, to one degree or another, we're going to need certain things to simply survive, you know, food, water, shelter, clothing, and so on. Um, I I remember hearing Matthew Kelly talk about 
the things that we own. And he was relating it to the different brands of things that we buy, you know, whether that's clothing, maybe it's a car, an appliance, a phone, a computer, whatever it is. But Matthew Kelly was talking about these brands that we buy. And in this talk that he was giving, he asked the audience if they knew what the very first brands were used for. And I'll just play a little trivia. Any idea, Father? The first commercial brand? Uh, he didn't specifically uh, say commercial. He said just what were the first brands used for? Well, I guess branding slaves. You know, putting a mark into the flesh of a slave in, in that sense. I'm not sure what you mean. but Right. Well, and I suppose that would be a, he He said cattle. Um, livestock yeah, cattle, was the very right. first use of brands mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. and i haven't done any research to to you know check on that but um you know he he said it was distinguishing your livestock from mm -hmm. a neighbor's mm -hmm. and the brands were used to show ownership but then matthew kelly he, he went back to the contemporary use that we have with our brands how we wear them you know in our mm -hmm. shoes in our mm -hmm. clothing and then he asked this question do we own the brands or do the brands own huh. us and so I, I guess what i'm getting to here is maybe some perspective on balance, you know, going back to that idea of disordered use of good things versus ordered use of good things. We know we're going to need certain things just simply to survive. How do we approach ownership of anything with that proper attitude so that I have that ordered use and I don't allow myself to be overly attached to it? No, that's a very powerful metaphor, the branding that we all cling to is really who owns whom and do the do the uh, material things we use do we own them or do they own us and it's it's always a delicate balance there so i think that proof that we are not owned by the things we use the things that god gives us is that we can let them go at any moment and that's what practicing detachment is a trial run for that can i give up sweets? Can I give up this relationship, even though it's not bad in itself, because this person could be taken away from me? Can I give up uh, Abbey Road? <laughs> like your friend Mike, I always give up media for Lent. So I give up uh, listening to the radio in the car. And, you know, when I'm washing up in the morning, I usually listen to uh, classical music or podcasts or relevant radio or something. But um, I, I, I tend to I, I really back off on that and um, because what if I go deaf? What if I die? I mean, we have to be ready for anything that God takes from us. And so we, we voluntarily give things up when it does happen that God in his wisdom takes something from us. We won't lose our faith. We won't lose our joy. You know, Mother you Teresa, mentioned... Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, go, go ahead, ahead, Father. Well, this Mother Teresa had this beautiful saying, take what he gives and give what he takes with a big smile. Because she practiced attachment. She was trained as a Loretto sister and then, of course, formed her own order. But there was a lot of detachment practiced in both of those orders. And the reason was so that when God takes something from us in his wisdom, we can still smile. Take what he gives and give what he takes with a big smile. Mm. As you're, as you're talking about this, too, that we practice it ahead of time 
so that when those moments come up that we do have something taken away from us. We can, in those moments, stay strong in our face. We can face it with the smile, as you're talking about. A book that you, along with a number of different priests, have recommended here on this program are a couple of different books by Father Walter Chiswick. And Mm. I just happened to, during this Lent, I've started reading through... Uh, kind of his biography with God in Russia. And Mm -hmm. at the beginning of that, he actually talks about how he, just for the sake of seeing, can I do this? Am I strong enough? Do I have enough resolve? Mm -hmm. Can I go and eat only bread for a little while here and nothing else? Or can I live only on the bare minimum of food or the bare minimum of sleep? Or can And he would just kind of put himself through these different tests, even as he was a seminarian. And it all led to him then being captured and put in prison in communist Russia because he would have these stretches of days where he might only have a portion of a loaf of bread that is supposed to carry him through the next two, three, four days. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, as you, as I've been reading, and I'm not, I'm not through the book yet, but it really stands out that, wow, you know, even without him necessarily knowing that this is what God was preparing him for, he was able to practice that kind of fasting, that kind of detachment, so that his faith would remain and persevere through those very difficult years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was a Jesuit, of course, and the Jesuits at that time were quite ascetical. They, under, they saw themselves as soldiers in a war, and soldiers have to be tough. They have to be ready to go without food or sleep on a, you know, in the cold. So... There's another part of that book, and you'll get to it. I don't want to spoil it for you, but where he has to make, he's forced to make a decision, either to lie about, uh, they're, they're forcing him under interrogation and torture, and he caves in, but, but then he retracts it the next day, and, the, um, and that's what led to his 15 years in um, prison camps. But he, he realized, even with the most ascetical detachment, if I don't, surrender to God. It's it's all God's grace. So I think mm-hmm. we have to be careful. You asked what is what detachment is not, and it's not just a contest of willpower, like going on a diet. We have to have prayer. We have to be supported by the grace of God, or eventually we'll just give up, because the human being is not capable of detaching without the aid of grace from the most important things. Mm. I think that's one of the most important. Everybody should read that book, in my opinion, uh, With God in Russia, and then the follow-up on the spiritual reflection, He Leadeth Me, because this is really a, a person who lived out the virtues of detachment and fidelity in her own time, and imprisoned in communist Russia. I mean, it's quite timely, of course, with the war against Ukraine. What's really at stake here is is the kingdom of God or the kingdom of of man, and and Walter Chiswick had to become that citizen of the kingdom of God by completely surrendering, not just attaching from material things, but surrendering his his will to God in the most radical way. It's a very inspiring book. Mm-hmm. 
Our spiritual director today, Father Joseph Ilo, a priest in the Archdiocese of San Francisco. Today we're talking about those attachments that we have in our life and how we can let go of those so that we can have that reliance on God, so that we can have that growth and holiness, so that we can be those sons and daughters that are part of the kingdom of, of Christ. Uh, what are you holding on to in your life? Maybe what was a time that you struggled to let go of something, or does it still have that hold on you? If you were able to let it go, were you able to experience that freedom that Father Ilo was talking about at the beginning of our conversation, that freedom from that attachment? How has letting go of things helped you to grow in your relationship with Christ? Or maybe there is that struggle to let go of something and you'd like some advice, some uh, insight from Father Ilo. You can call in and join the program at 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149. And uh, Father, you mentioned not only things, not only material things we might be attached to, we might be attached to relationships, to people. Let's, let's talk about that coming up next here. So uh, stay with us. We'll continue our conversation. And again, the phone number to call in, 888 888- 8-914-9149. You're listening to The Inner Life on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Catholic Order of Foresters is proud to sponsor the Relevant Radio studio line. For information about employment opportunities and flexible premium life insurance plans, visit relevantradio.com forester. Welcome back to The Inner Life. I'm Josh Raymond. So glad to have you joining us here on this Monday as we talk about the attachments that we have in our lives and how we can let go of those, how we can let go so that we can be attached to Christ. And when have you struggled to let go of something? Or maybe you are right now holding on to something in your life or you feel like it has a hold on you. And if you did have that attachment, how were you able to let it go? What helped you to be able to take that step back and realize, I am attached to something here and I need to create that space? Maybe this is unhealthy. Maybe this is holding me back in my spiritual walk. This number you can call and join the program, 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149. And Father mentioned that we wanted to talk about not only material items that we can be attached to. We can find those attachments there, but possibly in regards to people, to relationships. And I remember watching the movie The Shadowlands. It's this film that's about the life of C.S. Lewis, and it especially focuses on kind of later in his life, his marriage to a woman by the name of Joy Davidman. And after they're married, she eventually... Uh, she's diagnosed with cancer and she dies. And it's at that moment, right around her death, she's on her deathbed there, C.S. Lewis and Joy, they're both telling each other how much they love each other. And there was this line that really stood out to me. And I haven't seen this movie for years, but this line stuck with me. Uh, C.S. Lewis, he ends up praying 
right as his wife is passing from this life into the next, and he says, Jesus, be with my beloved joy. And then he says, forgive me if I love her too much. Mm. And that love her too much. Oh my goodness. After seeing that movie that just, I kept on thinking about that and, and mulling it over. Can you talk about how something that is good, love for another person that can turn into an attachment? And I I guess I also would ask the question, if we get to that point, is it truly love any longer at that point or has you know there might be some aspects of our relationship where there's still love but has that turned into something different than true selfless love at that point yes it can and another way of looking at attachment or inordinate disordered attachments to human people or relationships is that we can absolutize them that is expect more of a human relationship or a human person that they can deliver no one can make us happy only god can make us happy and so if we front load a relationship with unrealistic expectations then it always ends badly so it's making absolute what is relative every created thing including all human beings are relative to the one absolute, which is God. And we have to see everything in this life, including human relationships, as a means to an end, as a sacramental. Catholic Church sees things sacramentally, which I think is one of the the great advantages of being Catholic is the sacramental system. That, yes, there are seven sacraments, but all of life, all of the world is sacramental, meaning it's a signpost. It's directing us to a greater good, which is God. C.S. Lewis wrote this book on which the movie you mentioned was based. It's called A, a Grief Observed about uh, Joy Davidson's death, his, his wife. He had written a book earlier called uh, The Great Divorce, which is really, uh, it's a small book. It's, can, you can read it in a, in a few hours. But it's about a uh, bus ride from hell to heaven, or purgatory to heaven in one sense. So everybody on this bus gets a chance to go to heaven, but they have to detach from the created world to do that. And there's one of the characters is a a woman named Pam, and her son, Michael, had died. And she had absolutized her son, Michael. She she idolized him. He was her all in all. And so there's this really heartrending scene where Pam refuses to go to heaven because she would have to love God more than her son, Michael. Her whole expectation is to see her son again now that she's gone to the next life. And she says, well, I don't really care about God or your religion or anything. I just care about my son. She says, uh, I'll quote from the book, give me my boy. Do you hear? I don't care about all your rules and regulations. I don't believe in a God who keeps mother and son apart. I believe in a God of love. No one has a right to come between me and my son, not even God. Tell him that to his face, I want my boy and I mean to have him. He is mine. Do you understand? Mine, 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 mine forever. And so it's when we find ourselves 
saying those kinds of words, mine, mine, it's a clear indication that we have idolized something less than God that we've, we need to detach from that. So you have to ask yourself about your human relationships. Are, have I made these relationships my little God? Am I, re- am I prepared to give up this relationship if God so wills? And that's, that's the discipline, for example, of religious orders, that uh, there's no particular friendships really encouraged in, in religious orders We're to be brothers and sisters to everybody in the community and not have particular friendships. And there's there's a lot to that. There's a lot of nuances to that. But the same is true in a marriage. A marriage is exclusive of every other person but my spouse when it comes to the most intimate. But even my spouse, if I'm married, is not the greatest good. It's a my spouse is a sacrament, as a as a means, an instrumental cause to the final cause, which is God, our final end. Mm. You know, another aspect of that book, The Great Divorce, that you're talking about there is C.S. Lewis has one scene where there's a man who doesn't want to let go of Mm. a vice that is holding on, that he's holding on to, it's holding on to him. And Mm -hmm. it's this lizard, it's represented as lust. Um, But one of the things that I think is really important to talk about, those attachments that we have, especially if it's to... Uh, some sort of vice, some sort of sin. Um, you know, it, it kind of goes back to that line of St. Augustine, Lord, make me chaste, but not just yet. Um, mm-hmm. There's the the idea that if we can, you know, if if we want to live in a resurrected, glorified body, well, our body here in in life right now, it's going to eventually have to die at some point. can't be resurrected into a glorified version if we if we don't allow ourselves to die, if we're trying to hold on mm-hmm. to this life. But that also goes along with behaviors, with, you know, things that we have. If we're holding on to those behaviors and we don't let them die, we don't offer them to where they can be crucified on the cross with Christ, we're holding on to those. But if we let go of them, they can be resurrected into this glorified version of those behaviors. And this, this image that C.S. Lewis gives, this ugly kind of lizard that's hanging on to this man's shoulder. It's a painful process for the man to go through, but as soon as it's transformed, it becomes this magnificent stallion that then allows this man to ride faster than anybody else that we've encountered in that story of the great divorce, ride on toward the heavenly kingdom off in the distance. And it gives him this wonderful way to get there so quickly and, and, um, and, and, and everybody is joyful in that all of a sudden happening there. And it, it kind of reminds me of this quote that I heard. I don't, I don't remember who said this. If somebody is listening, if you're listening and you know this, it's something along the lines of the ways that a man sins is the, ways, uh, the way that that man will be purified. If you're listening and you know who said that, I'd love to, I'd love to know who said that. But I heard that. And, you know, if we allow that behavior in ourselves to die, God can take that disordered behavior and rightly order it to use for for our growth and holiness, for the building up of the body of Christ, but ultimately for God's glory. Hmm. That's a great scene in The Great Divorce, this man with the lizard on his shoulder, 
But it's an excruciating scene, literally excruciating. He has to be crucified. There's, there's an angel with a flaming sword who says, let me take, cut him off. I, I'll cut him off. It'll be painful, but it'll only take a minute. And the man is, no, it's going to be, I can't take, I can't live without this. And, but eventually he, he submits, he surrenders. The, the angel slices the lizard off with his flaming sword and it becomes a stallion. So it's, it's painful. We, we, and that's why, that's where Lent comes in, that we, we take on some painful practices, not as a test of willpower, but as a training to allow God to wield that flaming sword to send his angel to us to cut off what is, what is toxic in our life. Our spiritual director today, Father Joseph Ilo, our phone number to join this uh, conversation. You can call into the studio at 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149, as we talk about detaching from those things that have a hold on us, those things that keep us from growing in our relationship with Christ, 888-914-9149. Father, we've got Anne Marie, who's calling in from Andover, Minnesota. Hi, Anne Marie. You're on the air with Father Ilo. Hello, can you hear me? Yeah, go yeah, right can ahead. Can you hear me? Okay. So, um, thank you for taking my call. I have a lifelong friend that I've known since kindergarten, and we have had our ups and downs because it's been a friendship of like 53 years. Um, and we live very different lives. I have very much come back to the church in the last 20 years, and I try very hard to live an upright life because I do want to, you know, make it to heaven. I want to be a saint. I want my son to be a saint. And this friendship can be very toxic because they live in the exact opposite. Um, and there's a lot of hidden stuff that um, they don't want to tell me because they don't want to feel like they're judged. And so I have tried to let go of the friendship, which is really painful because she is so integrated into my life. But I, I just don't know how to deal with, do, am I doing the wrong thing? Do I stay and evangelize or, you know, do I just let go of it? Hmm. That's a common problem, Anne-Marie, and it's a good question. Well, I would say that you should be open to the friendship in as much as it's good, you say there's a, there's a lot that's toxic, but there must be also some good in the friendship. Every friendship has some dimension of God's love for us in it. So try to sift out what is painful and not, not painful, but what is, what is detrimental and keep what is gold. Keep the, so now it's painful to do that. I have friendships like that as well. I have, um, I mean, we all have relatives and family members that we don't agree on that, that the world is so um, bifurcated these days that there's, it's so divided. But even though it's painful, and this is true with any marriage, uh, spouses grow apart in some cases, but you don't get divorced over it. You try not to. So marriage and any friendship, to the degree that you can help the other person see the good and, and receive the good. And that person can help you to receive good. It's, it's worth keeping. But on the other hand, you, you don't need to disturb your peace unduly if 
if there's just too much chaos and stress with, with you know, it's okay to back off. And all Christians, of course, naturally have friendships with other Christians. We, you know, our faith is the most important thing in our life, so uh, our friends will naturally be those who share our faith. You know, Father, to find a balance uh, there, yeah. listening to Anne-Marie's call, too, there might be you know, kind of that attachment. And I think this is really easy for a lot of us. We get kind of caught up in the the idea of what a relationship could be or how it used to be. Hmm. And that can be kind of an attachment there, you know, where we say, ah, if only it could go back to, or if only we could make it to this point in our relationship, things would be wonderful. And that, And we kind of hold on to that attachment rather than saying, Okay, you know, this this has some difficult, you know, um, dynamics that I'm wrestling with here in this relationship. But for whatever reason, God has this person in my life. And if there are Mm -hmm. some of those good things, how can I build on that and not live in the what used to be or what might be, but live here in the present moment of, you know, not not be attached to those ideas of what used to be and what what might be in the future. Does that make sense? Yeah, that's a very good point. So the detachment dimension of any friendship is to be ready to let go of dimensions of that friendship or even that friendship entirely if it means compromising your love of God or your faith in God. So I think the the uh, touchstone there is, am I having to deny what I believe to maintain this friendship? And if that's true, then we need to let go of those friendships. Father Ilo is our spiritual director here on The Inner Life, and we're going to take our last break for the hour, but we'll be back with more as we're talking about attachments that we hold on to. What are you holding on to in your life, and when have you struggled to let go of that attachment? Or maybe it still has that hold on you. Uh, If you were able to let go of it, if you were able to achieve that freedom from your attachment, how has that helped you to grow in your relationship with Christ? 888-914-9149 is the number to call in. We've got a number of people holding. We'll try and get to as many of your phone calls as possible. Coming up next here on The Inner Life, you're listening to Relevant Radio and on the Relevant Radio app. Welcome back to The Inner Life. Hi, I'm Josh Raymond. Today, talking about the attachments that we have that hold us back from living a life of freedom, a life of freedom in Christ. What are those attachments that you have in your life? And maybe it's something you're struggling to try and let go of, but it's difficult. You'd like some advice, some encouragement, some help in your spiritual journey. You can call in and talk with our spiritual director, Father Joseph Ilo, and our number to call into the studio, 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149. And Father, let's go back to the phones. We've got Patricia, who's listening to us in California. Hi, Patricia. Thanks for calling in. Oh, hello, Father Ilo and Josh. Uh, my problem is literally um, letting go of stuff. Um, many, I've lost a lot of people in my lives. I've lost my parents, my husband recently, um, my mm. little sister, my big sister, just so many people. And I seem to want to hang on to furnishings that they had or clothing that they had, 
the, I try to you know, give away to thrift stores, and I find myself not giving away enough. So as a result, I have too much stuff in my house, and a house can only mm. hold so much stuff. <laughs> and I need to now go through my mom's house because she has all of her, my mom and dad's furniture and everything from their lives, and I need to go through it and get rid of things. And I don't know why it's hard for me to let go of things. I don't go out and buy new things, but things I already have. And it seems like a lot of things have sentimental value. <laughs> it's like, how can that be? Mm. You know, I have too many things like that. Anyhow, mm. spiritually, I'd like to see why I can't let those go and what I can do to help me with that. And I'm trying to think of, during Lent, maybe, is that considered almsgiving? If I give away things that are really nice, that I like? Mm-hmm. I, mean, I don't know. It's just ideas. I think, well, thank you, Patricia. A lot of <clears throat> A lot of people suffer from this same problem. But I think it's not... It's obviously in your case you say it's not material. You don't go out and buy new things. You're not a shopper, but it's it's a uh, attachment to the memories, right? The sentimental value. You're you're attached. Josh said it's hard to let go. Earlier in the program, it's hard to let go of what you remember from a human relationship. But the fact is that person, your parents, your little sister, etc., have moved on. Your husband. So I think the best way to approach this is to say they've gone back to God and I want to have I want to be ready to go back to I want to look forward to be where they are then the material things or the memories become less important because you're not living so much in the past so try to reset your thoughts forward towards heaven where they are well hopefully I mean we're praying that you know, they get through purgatory quickly um, on a practical level Lent is spring cleaning. It's every year I go through my closet and people give me clothes as a priest and some of them I can use and a lot of them I don't. And, but it goes to the Salvation Army, uh, big boxes. So books, you know, I, I go through the books every year and, and try not to spend too much time doing this, like agonizing over, can I let go of this piece of furniture? It was mom's favorite chair. Make this a spiritual act of self-denial, of um, of fasting. I, I'm just going to deny myself this just for the sake of denying myself because it's the way of freedom. So try to do that this Lent. Try to reduce by a third maybe. Set a goal and, and try to do that. You know, Father, as I'm listening to Patricia, I have... Uh, family members that I've seen do the exact same thing. You know, a a close relative passes away and it's hard for them to let go of these things. And just having seen that in my own family, one of the things that it has helped me to kind of come to a point where I say, well, I want to, you know, I I think with my family members, they get worried that they're going to dishonor the memory of that Mm. relative that has passed if they give away too many of those things they're it's it's almost like they're saying well no of course they're gone so let's get on with life and that's not necessarily what you know you're doing there it's just being practical but for myself seeing how other family members have done this i've said well let me hold on to just one thing what's that one thing that mm. is kind of the most memorable memorable memory associated item and then I'll just hold on to that. And when I see that or when I use that or whatever it is, that'll let me kind of 
keep that memory fresh in my mind, that relationship I had with that person who was passed from this life. But then the rest of the things, whether they're donated or given to other family members or whatever it might be, um, you know, there, there's not that same sort of attachment. And, and and I think you just you also have to come to a point where you can make peace and say, by me giving this away, I'm not dishonoring the memory of that family member. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they've gone ahead, and I've got to I've got to move ahead too. I mean, getting on with life is not a bad thing. Right. They're not. They wouldn't want us to be stuck in the past. I know my mother died in September, and we got all of her keepsakes and the children. Just, but, you know, and I, I put her keepsakes in a box, and in one sense I don't even want to look at them because they make me remember my my mom's dead. But sure, <laughs> uh, sure. I just just thinking here, I, I think I need to get one of her medals and put it on, you know, just one of them, so that I I think, okay, mom is gone. And I'll be gone soon, too. And that's that's the way it works. Mm. Uh, Father, what about areas of our life where perhaps we have an attachment? I have some sort of attachment, but I am absolutely unaware of it. It's something that is just off my radar. Any suggestions on ways that we can become aware of those hidden attachments that we hold on to in our lives? Well, one good way is to have a good friend. A, you know, you only need two or three really good friends. <laughs> tell me, tell me where I'm wrong. Sure, I jump you're on exactly. That, I well, a good friend, you don't even have to ask. <laughs> uh, so, someone you can trust. So, another thing is having a spiritual director, who is dispassionate enough, detached enough himself to or herself to be able to tell you the truth about yourself. And then there's superiors, that is, your supervisors at work or people that you're your parents that have authority over you. And when they tell you something rather than just blowing it off, saying, hmm, maybe they're right. Maybe there is this hidden vice in my life. So um, those are three ways. Father, let's go back to the phones here. Uh, Cecilia's calling us from Queens in New York. Cecilia, only have a couple minutes, but wanted to get you on before the end of the hour. Oh, thank you so much. Um, okay, so let me start. Um, my husband and I are currently undergoing a very difficult decision to make at this time, whether he should retire now. I'm 68, I'm, I'm 70 and he's 68. I have re- been retired for 10 years and uh, he promised me at that time that he would retire as soon as he beca- becomes Medicare eligible. But he enjoys his work so much. He's an oncologist, and he loves, you know, his patients. His patients are very grateful to him. And I think that he, he so feels so gratified that he doesn't want to retire. Um, so I wish to spend more time with him. I have not been bored at home, though. I keep myself busy doing ministry work. But listening to you, I'm feeling somewhat guilty for asking him to retire. Am I being hmm. selfish? I yeah. wish I could spend more time. You know, the last years of our uh, life, visiting our children and grandchildren who live far away, we haven't been able to do this because he could not take off from work more than a few days. So I don't know who must decide. Cecilia, <laughs> yeah, I'm going to jump in and let Father respond here because we are down to the last minute or so of our hour. Well, Cecilia, I'm glad you love him that much. That's very good news. So don't ever let go of that. Well, um, 
unless it gets in the way of your love for God. But how about partial retirement? This is what we, we priests don't ever fully retire. And so we just ramp down as our energies diminish. So you could encourage him maybe to work part time. I mean, 68, uh, yeah, maybe it's time in life to um, work a little bit less. But so, I, I'd yeah, say you're, for your... you're, you don't feel guilty about your, you know, loving your husband like that as long as it doesn't get in your way of loving God. Yeah, glad you called in, Cecilia. Um, uh, Father, uh, I guess one last area really quick. If somebody is listening and they're wanting to look at the example of a saint who was able to detach, looking for that example that they might continue on after our conversation here, any recommendations of kind of continued reading, continuing education on this? Well, um, St. Francis, of course, the lover of Lady Poverty, it's good to study his life, but also Franciscan saints like St. Maximilian Kolbe might read a biography of him, Mm, or St. Padre Pio, or uh, other Franciscan saints. So consider those. uh, Loving holy poverty is not just detaching, but it's loving poverty, loving simplicity, Mm. loving that this is a means to God. Some of the friends. Father Ilo, we're down to about 15 seconds here. Can I ask you to offer a blessing for our listeners? May Almighty God bless all of you who are listening in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Father Joseph Ilo, thank you so much for being our spiritual director today. And also want to say a big thank you to Nick Sentovich and to Maggie Groschel uh, for their help today in producing the program. Thank you for listening. And being a part of the program, apologies to those of you we couldn't get on the air. But, of course, want to encourage you to join us tomorrow. Tomorrow we're going to look at living out the prayer that we pray, the Our Father. We'll talk about that tomorrow here on The Inner Life.